You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Indians is brought to you by rockauto.com. Great prices, fantastic selection, rockauto.com. Something I promised I would talk about this week, and yes, this is the third podcast recorded in about a two-hour session here, but uh, possible Francisco Lindor trades, because they've gotten a lot different, and I say that because of the introduction of the DH this year, and the chance that this could be just the beginning of the DH everywhere. This changes things around, because teams like, for instance, the Los Angeles Dodgers, maybe the best thing that happened to them was the Jock Peterson trade falling apart. Why is that a fantastic thing for them? Because Jock Peterson is now their DH. If they didn't have him, you're looking at Chris Taylor maybe DHing. Maybe you're trying to move around or find, uh, you know, another player that you can trust is William, uh, or well, not William, William Beattie was the uh, offensive lineman, right, from Connecticut who played with the Giants. The bat error from Connecticut is Matt Beattie, who uh, plays for the Dodgers. You know, is it one of their prospects? Who is the guy who fills that spot for them if they don't have, if they make that trade? Instead, now they have a perfectly ready DH who's set to go for them. They are in good shape. But that's exactly my point. You know, if you're talking about a potential Lindor deal, um, you have to now look at that for teams that we'd consider in the National League and how it shifts guys, how it moves things around, and how it, it changes the overall, you know, what, who's going to play where. So since I already talked about the Dodgers, let's just start there. If we're looking at this, Corey Seager is their current um, shortstop. Now, yes, they have Justin Turner at third base. Justin Turner was not good at third base, and actually Justin Turner should really play, be their DH. So if we're looking at a potential deal with the Dodgers, we're going to assume that Lindor goes to shortstop, Seager to third, Turner to DH. So that does open Jock Peterson as a potential trade target. Now, he is a limited value because he is purely a rental in a 60-game season, and he has a high salary. I don't know how much value he would have to the Indians in a potential deal, but there is a logic to acquiring him. So I think, yes, we can we can slot in Jock Peterson as a potential piece. I do not think Gavin Lux is on the table. Um, I do not think you're going to be able to get him in such a deal. I don't think he makes as much sense. Someone who would make sense, though, is your replacement is Chris Taylor. Now, Chris Taylor is not the most exciting player, but he has been a productive one for the Dodgers over the last few years, playing a multitude of roles for them. Uh, shortstop, second base, um, you know, a 10... No, that was his projection. He had a 105... Nope, those are not correct. A 107 uh, runs created plus in 2019, a 113 in 2018, a 126... And 2017, that's in 140, 155, and 124 games. He is a starter, uh, very high bat pips the whole time, plays in a lot of games, does a lot of things well. He would be uh, a guy you could slot in. Uh, I mean, it would be in an impossible situation if you slotted him into a shortstop, but that's probably what would happen. But they, they have to get a replacement in any considered deal. So those those are two pieces, and yeah, that's the deal. I'm kidding. Gosh, that's the deal that Dodgers fans... No, Dodgers fans who interact with me on Twitter would say that we'd have to give up Clevenger to make that deal even. So if we can move over here and we look at the prospects for the Dodgers. I'm just kind of looking at my lists. Josiah Gray is an interesting talent. Um, Stands out because he is around the right height for the Indians where they feel like they can kind of get a little bit more 
Uh, Brutistar Gradiol is another player that uh, kind of would make sense uh, just in terms of ability and upside and what the Indians do well with. I think the Dodgers, in some respects, are a harder team to figure this trade out with now. And that's because post-bets, their system is weaker. Uh, if you believe that May and Lux are off the table, then you're kind of limited. You know, Like I said, Josiah Gray, Kiebert Ruiz has been okay, but a lot of his value is tied to the fact he's a catcher and not as much as just his ability as a hitter. It, it's a stratified system. You know, I like their picks from a year ago, and they have really good depth overall in this system. Uh, but I think it is harder to see a trade between Lindor and the Dodgers, which was often a place that I thought would make a lot of sense. Um, but as of now, at this point in time, I would say they are no longer the leaders in the clubhouse for uh, Francisco Lindor deal, which I thought they could have been at multiple times in the uh, offseason. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Cincinnati Reds fans have been thirsting for Lindor for a while now. Let's talk about the problem with the Cincinnati Reds. If you go over to MLB.com uh, right now and you open up their top 10 prospects, it is all lower minors or rookie ball. Um, Tony Santillian is down to ninth. He used to be higher on the list. And you know he's 23 years of age, one of the older prospects. And he's got the double-A one, Tyler Stevenson, the catcher. These aren't guys who can headline a deal. And, you know, Stuart Fairchild, who I was a huge fan of coming out of Wake Forest, and I talked about this on Locked on Reds, or maybe we talked about in our pre-talk show. It's like, I like Tyler Callahan, Callahan a lot. Um, Stuart Fairchild, I was huge on, but then he struggled in his first few years and is kind of turning it around now. But, you know, go over to the Reds' depth chart. It's like, who does Cincinnati offer? Yes, Senzel. That's what it comes down to, right? Senzel is probably their DH right now. If you look at the, the Reds as a team, uh, Mustakis at second. Oh boy, Winkler in left. Right field is uh, Castellanos. I forgot they went out and signed Shogo. Akiyama is in center, which again allows them to shift Senzel to DH. Freddie Galvis is definitely the weak spot on that team at shortstop. Question becomes, I guess, how much do you like uh, uh, Aristides Aquino, Aquino uh, who had the you know the hot. 56 games, 19 home runs for the Reds. In spite of that, man, it's just one war because I'm assuming the defense was, yeah, defense was terrible. Um, and he wasn't really getting on base. And you look at the walk-to-strikeout percentage and you see a player who, in an extended look, is going to get absolutely eaten alive in the big leagues. I don't think there's anyone really buying on him right now. I don't see the value. So it's like, how much do you like Senzel? How much do you like the idea of, like, Senzel, Galvis, and... Hunter Green, who's coming off injury. I, again, this is not the ideal fit. This is not an ideal team uh, at this point in time for such a deal. So Dodgers and Reds are probably the two teams you hear about the most, but I struggle with them just because with the Reds, they have basically Senzel and then no one else in the higher levels of the minors that's, that's all that interesting. And Senzel stock is down significantly from a year ago at this time because while a lot of other rookies stepped up and performed really well, he was meh. And there were, you know, he had some concerns with injuries and the inability to stay healthy as well, which doubles down with the Dodgers. They already made one massive move. And if they're not going to move their elite talents, it makes it almost impossible to figure out a deal that makes sense with, with them. What does make sense is Bilt Bar. Who doesn't love Bilt Bar? 
all of the hosts in the MLB uh, Locked On Network love Built Bar. Uh, I haven't talked to the other Locked On hosts, but it was such a nice thing when we got that sampler box. And it's like, this is really good. Uh, I love all of them. There's not a bad flavor in the mix. Even things like cherry, which I traditionally don't like, is like a, a fake flavor. It doesn't have that fake flavor. It was like, oh, like I, I kind of like bit into it being like, oh, and it's like, no, this is good. Uh, toffee almond, I think is still my favorite. It's that and the banana ones are, are at the top of the list. So I would recommend checking those out. Remember when you go to Built Bar and decide to try their fantastic high fiber, high protein, low sugar, gluten-free, nut-free bars. It's crazy how good they are for all the things they don't have. But it's a fantastic protein bar, tastes great, and is great for you. You go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code Locked On, and you're going to love your order. RockAuto.com. I am not a car guy. I don't know why I'm doing it to weird beats. I'm going to stop that now. But I can go to that site and understand it. I can have it work for me. I can find a car part I need. Now I can't install that part, but if it's something simple, uh, I went and I did a comparison. I've talked about before when I got my car, it didn't have floor mats. They actually had the best price on floor mats when I did a comparison between other sites and places and use them as a baseline. They're cutting out a middleman. They have every piece you could need at fantastic prices. So you're gonna go to rockauto.com. You're going to tell them that we sent you. It says, how did you find out about us? You write locked on in there, and that lets us know. I've always said this is just a great resource. You should be going and remembering and checking out rockauto.com when you need it because it's a fantastic resource for your car. It's a fantastic place to find pieces for your car. Rockauto.com, you're going to regret if you don't check it out. So going back, before we go into the next set of teams I was considering for the trade, I keep forgetting to talk about Emmanuel Classe, and I say I keep forgetting because this is the fourth podcast in a row where I've meant to talk about him and realized I have not. So, you know, he was the centerpiece for Corey Kluber. This was this really intriguing pitcher who was right up there with James Karinchok to give the Indians just this filthy back-of-the-bullpen potential with the steady Brad Hand. I don't know if steady's the right word. First half, he was steady. Second half, not so much. But Hand, Karinchok, Classe, that looked fantastic. Class A gets suspended for using PEDs. 80-game suspension. So I thought, it's a prorated season. They're going to prorate suspensions, right? No. No matter what happened, Class A was not going to be available for the postseason for the Cleveland Indians because of this. Now it means he's just not going to pitch this year. I don't know how that suspension works. I'm hoping he'll be able to like take part in the taxi squad and be another talented player out there that they can you know, just get some reps with. He is a really young pitcher, and there's a lot of potential there. But it it does stink. There's going to be no return on investment outside of whatever Delano DeShields brings this year to the Cleveland Indians on that trade. You're you're waiting a year out, and you're hoping that, you know, Class A Karen Chalk, because I don't think they're going to extend or uh, pick up Brad Hand's options. You're, you're hoping down the road that, uh, you know, Karen Chalk, Class A, Nick Sandlin, Kyle Nelson, that that's going to become kind of the new core for this pen. But it is a big blow because I talked about when I was running my virtual season, um, the bullpen is not good. It is not at all. It's it's a lot of guys you are counting on who, you know, Nick Wetgren was great, but is he going to be like Scott Atchison and, and the guys before them, Jeff Manship, you know, the ones who kind of were the one-year wonders for the Indians. It, the history is there to show he could be. Um, there's a lot of pieces and parts, but there's not a lot of stability. Um, I feel like this pen, just looking out on paper, is the least stable pen I can recall in recent years there's just not a lot of guys I look at and feel yeah that's someone I can count on that's the you know where's the Brian Shaw's the Cody Allen's 
I mean, again, do you feel really comfortable with Brad Hand? How much do you trust the small look at Karen Chalk? Um, I was really hoping, since it was a half-season suspension, that you'd miss half this season and we'd get at least 30 games, but that's not the case. The upside is, while it's only a 60-game season, his 80-game suspension will not continue into next year. There won't be an additional 20. That's the upside, but I feel like in this case, it's like 80% bad, 20% good, but at least that's something. We did have to talk about it, and again, it makes the Indians weaker at a position that was already maybe the weakest on their team. So let's get back to potential trade options. I'm going to stick mostly to National League teams because um, when we're looking at this, they need to add bats, and many of them could benefit. And I think the Indians, if they did make a trade, would prefer to ship Lindor to a team that they're not going to face all that regularly. And if you're curious, no, I'm not going to bring up the Atlanta Braves because I don't think Dancy Swanson is that good. And, you know, he's kind of one of the centerpieces of any deal, and it just limits the upside especially when you look at the high risk in some of their prospects. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, it's like I really like Drew Waters, but that walk-to-strikeout ratio is almost impossible to be successful as a future major leaguer. And again, Denzi Swanson is like a bottom-tier shortstop. But he's not bad. He's like the 16th best shortstop in baseball, but he's the 16th best shortstop in baseball. And while that is valuable, it is not valuable enough when you're talking about the best shortstop in baseball. And there'll be a lot of teams to get mentioned. And as you're going through, it's, you know, there are a lot of possibilities. The Padres and things like, teams like that will come up. But the name that I haven't heard about, and one that I think makes a ton of sense, is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they're a team that last year at the, the deadline, yes, they traded Zach Greinke, but remember that was a massive contract, and that also helped them because by getting some of that money off the books, they got a ton of prospects. They then went out and signed Madison Bumgarner. So their rotation now is Bumgarner, Leak, Robbie Ray, uh, Luke Weaver, and then Zach Gallen, who they traded for at the deadline. So when they traded away Granke, they got, went out and got Zach Gallen, who I talked about a ton on the pod last year, and I was very high on, and I think his performance is for real. So it's, it's an interesting team there, uh, a strong pen that they have built up. And then, you know, Kettle Marte was a, an MVP candidate a year ago. They traded for Starling Marte already in this offseason. Uh, Eduardo Escobar had a fantastic year. It's a really interesting team. Added Cole Calhoun is a free agent as well. So they're definitely going for it. This is a team that's going for it now. And for me, what makes them so appealing is they have a shortstop. Now, Nick Ahmed has won the Gold Glove the last two years. He's had double-digit home runs. He is one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball, and he is signed to a very reasonable contract in, through the 2023 season, which matters to a team like the Indians. You're getting a ready-made replacement. Yes, he does not do much with the bat. He's a below-the-league average as a hitter. He does enough to get by, but the defense is what you're getting here. You're not losing anything in your defensive value when you make this trade. You're losing a ton in the offensive department. But you're going from 1.5 years of control to four years of control of an equal defender uh, at the position. Again, the offense just can't compare. But that is something the Diamondbacks can offer that most teams can't. The Diamondbacks can be like, here is your shortstop. We are giving you a shortstop back who can step into that void, at least defensively. And what I love about the Diamondbacks is a crazy deep system. Like when I look at the Padres, my one fault is it's a very top-heavy system. When I look at like the top 30 over on MLB.com for the Padres, the fact that 
Dre Jamison, who was a first-round pick a year ago, is 17th, or John Duplantier, who was a top 100 a year ago. He's had some health and consistency issues, but there's a lot of potential there. He's not in their top 10. Seth Beer isn't in their top 10. Uh, it's a really interesting team. So if I am trying to get a deal together, Nick Ahmed is... I don't know if you call him the centerpiece, but he has to be included. And then the other name you have to ask about is Dalton Varsho. I don't know if Varsho is going to stick at catcher. He's not the biggest guy, but he's athletic enough to play anywhere. He's a speed power guy. The numbers in the minors have been really good. Last year in AA, you look a 9% walk rate to a 13% K rate. That's the type of improvement you want to see. This was a small school guy, um, Wisconsin Whitewater. His dad, Dalton Varsho, played in the majors. Good power production, 18 home runs. Um, I'd have to scroll down to see what he did in terms of stolen bases, but he also has speed. He's a power speed guy who's playing catcher. I don't know if he can stick there. He has the receiving skills, but I don't think the arm strength is there to stay long-term. You could make him a outfielder. I think he could play center field, and that's why you're asking for him. He is an ascending talent in the upper minors. Bloodlines, production, power speed. In fact, he's 5'10". Is going to be a knock, but for a team like the Indians who doesn't care about height, all the better. He would be one of the better hitting prospects in the Indians' upper minors, and you look at that as, like like I said, the first piece. I would probably ask about uh, Duplantier, whose stock is down right now, but I think is a really interesting arm. I've been a fan of his since his days at Rice. You're buying low on a pitcher to give yourself some more depth. He's a guy you have to add to the 40 man but he's giving you more depth on that pitching staff. He's giving you another arm, another starter that you can feel pretty comfortable with. And then in terms of, you know, the rest of their top prospect list, I don't know if you can ask for, you know, Blake Waltson is definitely arrow up, but what's fun with this minors is a year ago, like Blake Waltson is someone that I connected to the Indians in a few mocks because he was exactly their type of talent. Uh, Corbin Carroll was another guy I thought could be an Indians type of player. And he is, you know, someone they drafted in that Zach Granke deal. They got J.B. Bukowskis, who was an interesting pitcher who I liked as a high schooler. Didn't quite develop the way I was hoping it would at UNC. He's undersized and there's some issues, but he's the type of guy the Indians could fix. Like, again, you're trying to find maybe some extra value in those reclamation projects. Guys with the Indians can get more out of them. A Bukowskis is interesting for that reason, as is a Duplantier. Dalton Vorsha would be the centerpiece for me, uh, uh, along with uh, Nick Ahmed. You're getting that ready-made replacement. You're getting that outfielder who can help you maybe next year. Maybe you let him try at catcher. The Indians just place such value on the uh, catch-and-throw skills at catcher. I don't think they would necessarily want to keep him there. But the offensive talent is too much to look past. Already performing in double-A, he could help the Indians this year. Uh, just going down the list, Corbin Martin, if he's fully healthy, looked really good. Another player that they got in that Granky deal uh, would have been in the majors a year ago. Is recovering. I mean, he's already played in the majors, I should say. He, uh, I believe, was recovering from Tommy John. You just keep going on. Seth Beer, big name guy, 12th on their list. Uh, Tommy Hunter, their second round pick, 19th. Paven Smith, who was a top 10 pick, now he has not performed in the minors, 24. Even at 30, Domingo Labaya has played in the majors. Connor Grams, who I covered out of Xavier, uh, crazy velocity. He is just needs lots of time to develop. But there's a lot of interesting talent. It's a very deep system. There's a lot of names. And again, the most important thing, why do the Diamondbacks make more sense than the Dodgers or the Reds or the Padres? You're getting a ready-made shortstop. 
those other teams, it's like the Reds, Freddie Galvis, he's a great defender, but he's not as good as Nick Ahmed, and the bat is not as productive. Uh, the Dodgers, Chris Taylor, you're getting a better bat, but you're not getting the defensive value. And then, I can't even think, with, you know, Danzy Swanson, probably, a, but you're getting a better offensive bat, but doesn't have the defense. At least in this way, you're trading Lindor and getting a long-term option that can step right in, provide all that defensive value, and he's not going to hurt you at the bat. He's not going to help you at the bat. He's just going to go out and provide minimal value there, but you're betting on the defense, and again, it's a contract that this season was set to make like $7 million, and then it's $8 million, $8 million, and 10 with, I think, like $2 million potential escalators based on... Um, roster status and awards. So yeah, he could get up to as high as $12 million, which for a two-time Gold Glove winning shortstop, not not the worst thing, especially because this is a situation where he's close to league average at the bat, at least he was a year ago. So that's why I think the Diamondbacks make sense. They're a team that has been going all in. You look at their trades outside of the Granky deal, which was, again, freeing up money because that is a huge contract, which they then took and used that to you know, they went and got Zach Allen. They went and traded for Starling Marte. They went and signed Madison Bumgardner. They kept Robbie Ray. They're just going to keep doing this. And it is a clearly a setup where this is a team that's going to try to contend. This would be a way to add another bat, Lindor, Marte, and Marte. That would be a deadly center of the lineup for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Well, I thank you all for listening. Uh, it has been odd to record these three in a row. So if this one got a little more slap happy, I apologize. I am definitely feeling like I'm going to have a bunch of coughing right now as I'm not used to talking this much in a row. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have all been awesome, as always. Remember to check out all of our other great Locked On podcasts. Uh, Sully is great over on the Locked On flagship. They, he let us take it over before the draft, so check him out. And as always, go Tribe. <laughs>